0: Hello there, everyone. Uh, Before we start this episode, we've got some very exciting news. Uh, I know this is only our second episode. We're about to record our third. And we just want to cover some news for context as to where we are in the timeline right now. Uh, Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen. I mean, Kingdom Hearts 4 just got announced this morning. And um, we we wanted to quickly talk about the uh, surprise return of Ron Gilbert to the Monkey Island franchise.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I I believe the reason people are uh, most excited about this is, but the big notable story is that, so there was originally a Monkey Island 3, I want to say, without him. And so they're basically replacing that game in the timeline with this game.
0: Yes, and uh, this is one of those things that would make me a better podcast host had I Googled it. But the trailer has that whole joke about Ron Gilbert said he'd never make a Monkey Island game unless, and then they cut it off and just show the new one. Does it, yeah. John do you happen to know what that quote was? What, like the exact quote or like what he would, what he what he said or when he said it? I think as far as
1: I know he just said I know he wasn't interested in doing another Monkey Island. My guess is it's either he maybe he came up with an idea for one. I mean my it could be just he couldn't think of how to do one that's like uh quite good enough to be exactly what he wants would be my assumption. Here I'm. I'm quickly trying to. Um,
0: uh, well, John's looking that up. I would just like to point out the whole deleting the sequels nobody likes thing. It has finally made it to gaming, and I don't know how to feel about that.
1: What has made it to gaming?
0: Take a, a sequel. Deleting the sequels people didn't like.
1: Well, Elizabeth just looked at me in disdain for you. She she knows that experience too well. She says something. Wait, what did you say? Yeah. And then. Um,
2: well, you're clearly not paying attention.
0: Oh, so sorry, audience. I thought my audio was bad. Apparently, John is too. So, you know, that's just, <laughs> it's just been a thing happening in movies, and I'm not the biggest fan of it. But because, you know, maybe there are fans of that bad sequel. So mm. I've only never, I've only played the first Monkey Island, so I'm not going to comment on if three is worth deleting or not. But
2: this is almost akin to how they just took everything that was canon in star wars and completely erased it and then made another canon
1: and now they're erasing some of that canon
2: wait are they
1: some of the comic books i think they're kind of re re like what? with some of the netflix like with some of the disney plus shows they're kind of like uh reconning some of it they're just
2: like anything that's current that's canon so that you will want to watch it
1: yeah i think the big one people are saying is gonna mess up canon is obi-wan there. because there's like a whole darth vader comic series that's like canon i mean there's a lot of the stuff in those comic series that it's like surprising that that's made it into the canon well as far as i could tell and i could be wrong is this that in 2018 this is on wikipedia so this is very brief he said he wanted lucas arts to sell him the rights to monkey island maniac mansion back um and uh, you know, and so probably what it was is he wanted creative control. He's, he, he very specifically said, I'll pay actual money for them. So maybe he, he, he got them back. I think probably it was, maybe it was something like he, they wanted him, they were trying to force him to have like limited creative control when he wanted full creative control. Right. Um, I, I don't know if, um, if disney if lucas arts is at all involved in it because i know it's a devolver digital game so maybe he did get the rights to that back because let's be fair i don't think disney's gonna do anything with monkey island
0: right uh i know yeah and actually i wanted to talk about this devolver digital thing um am i the only one who kind of feels a little gypped that we did not get this at like the summer game fest devolver farcical direct would have thought it was fake
1: I think this is the truth of it. Every year, Elizabeth, this this company that makes indie games called Devolver Digital does this totally out there and zany and like avant-garde sort of like press conference Mm. where they like show like fake games and I legit feel like if they had showed it there, people would have thought it was a meme because it's, Especially starting with that, I mean, it's probably also that like he just wanted to. Okay, so it looks like Lucasfilm is somewhat involved. Because you go to the Return to Monkey Island page, Lucasfilm is lucas mm. Lucasfilm right. Games are listed at the bottom, so it's probably they gave him full creative control to do whatever he wanted mm. on the game. Would be my well, assumption.
0: Yeah. So I just wanted to say that because I'm always a fan of a big surprise, and that would have been a great way to close the conference. I agree. They might have had to have someone come on screen and just say that that was real or like have Ron Gilbert say, yes, that's real. Just sit tight. What feels surprising is it just wasn't in the middle of
1: some other conference, even if it wasn't devolver. Like, cause that is a relatively big thing. It could be the game's coming out pretty soon and they need to like advertise it.
0: So you're th- like, so you think it could be a shadow drop like during the summer game fest.
1: I don't know about that. I think it, it could, I think it's just probably something where they're like, apparently he's been working on
0: it for two years. Oh, so it's his COVID pet project.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it's like fair to say the game will likely come out sooner rather than later. Yes.
2: This is like that author. Okay, I'm forgetting his name right now.
1: Oh, Brandon Sanderson. Brandon
2: Sanderson like came out with like three extra novels during COVID. It was and like, they're like selling it off in like some special giveaway. It was like This a is akin to that. He's like, wait, I'll just go back to Monkey Island and make a new one. It's
1: COVID. I think it was actually four and a half books. Yeah. <laughs> it was like four full books and then
0: some like other children's story. He's like, I don't know what I want to do with this one yet. Mm. Yeah, so uh, I guess that means we're going to move Monkey Island up the list a little bit. Uh, Probably just, we'll play the first one in, like, a couple months or something. Yeah, depending on when this new one launches, yeah, you know, we could try to, what? Pro- I just said that, so, like, I guess we'll do it in, like, a couple months
2: Well, or I could hear you thinking in your head weeks and then, like, pausing and being, like, months. And yeah
0: i'm saying like if this new one launches in december we'll have time to do both of them if this new one launches in june we might have to do a double episode just to be current brutal okay all right now please enjoy another ron gilbert game putt putt joins the parade (laughs) Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the Pod and Click podcast. I'm Will here with John and Elizabeth, and we have made it to our second episode. I would say that's quite an accomplishment, but that's just me.
1: Well, originally, Will on the first take had said most podcasts don't get through the first episode, to which I questioned uh,
0: this uh, statistic. But you know, we're we're gonna move past it. Yes. Uh, so before we start, a little housekeeping. Thank you for joining us for our second episode. And I would like to thank Elizabeth's friend, Lauren for making a very extensive list of point and click adventure games. Some also not point and click adventure games that we'll definitely cover. I was initially going to say her thank you was to be on the podcast, but that is in no way, shape or form a gift to anybody. So, uh, Hey Bernice, (laughs) can you send her an edible arrangement? Okay, so today we're kicking off a series that will not be 50 consecutive episodes. But we are doing the complete humongous entertainment, minus the Backyard Sports and the Blue's Clues games, because I couldn't find those. Um, Complete up until this podcast almost, ends.
2: Almost complete.
0: <laughs> we will probably play Moonbase Commander, though. What? They made The last game they made was some real-time strategy game. That's not point and click it's on a computer, so you're clicking. Okay. What? Will's great. Will in turn. the second
1: episode has greatly expanded <laughs> the meaning of point and click. You're pointing the enemies and you click it at the enemies. Okay,
0: you're, you're right. Okay. Does this
2: make Fortnite point and click.
0: Yeah, you can point We're, and click in Fortnite, Will. Good point. We can go into the TARDIS now, so it's worth playing. Yeah, they did add Doctor Who. Really? Yeah. Okay, oh. <laughs> okay. so humo- we're going to go through every Humongous Entertainment game that was Putt-Putt, Freddy Fish, Pajama Sam, Spy Fox, and I think the one Fatty Bear game they made. So, we're going to start with a little history. Is everyone excited?
1: Yay.
0: <laughs> Thanks for the enthusiasm. Humongous. So, Humongous Entertainment was founded by uh, Lucasfilms legend Ron Gilbert. Can anyone tell me what games he made? I don't know. I feel his like name. we saw him in the credits of, and of we this We saw game. him in
2: the credits of this game, and I went, isn't he, like, a big game guy? And John was like, I don't think so.
0: So, he is the head programmer for Monkey Island and Maniac Mansion, which has now been re-released yeah. as Day of the Tentacle. Hmm.
2: Yes, I have heard of these. Wait,
1: no, 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 no. There's Maniac Mansion, and then the sequel is Day of the Tentacle. Oh,
0: okay. Whoops. <laughs> this is why you always ask John for gaming history and not Will. Um. Anyway, uh, just a fun fact, Steven Spielberg would call him for tips when he was stuck on Monkey Island. Mm. Mm. Maybe not a fun fact, but I, I always love stories like that. That's fun. And he helped pioneer the script creation utility for Maniac Mansion, or the Scum engine, which uh, simplified making these kind of games and allowed for more options, which leads to, like, the branching pathways and later games Humongous Entertainment would make. mm mm-hmm. uh, Not in this game. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we're, not, the, 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 we're not there yet. It will get better. Uh, it was also co-founded by Shelley Day, who was the director for Indiana Jones Fate of Atlantis and the producer on Monkey Island 2.
1: All you're telling me is this game should be better, because I've heard these are some of the best, you know, these are some of the best point-and-click adventure games.
0: Here, I'll hold off, I'll hold off. Okay, and then the name for the company was dis- was suggested by one of their co-workers, Tim Schaefer. so let's, mm. this is pedigree of the company, but. Yeah. Uh, and so their whole goal was they would watch their little kids play adventure games that they couldn't, who couldn't read and were probably just making up their own stories. Because, you know, like Monkey Island's very text heavy. So is Maniac mm-hmm. Mansion. So the first hamster game. in the microwave.
2: Oh, yeah. I've what? Heard about that.
1: The big thing in Maniac you, Mansion is you, you can, can cook, click... you can put the hamster in the microwave and cook it.
0: It's pretty bad. Ugh. We'll get to that one eventually, I'm sure. <laughs> so, this is this, this first game, Putt Putt joins the parade. Uh, Shelly Day invented Putt Putt as a bedtime story for her kid, where he would go on adventures, you know, going to the store, going to the moon, time traveling, <laughs> entering a race, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just yeah. all, all sorts of things. And that's that was their whole idea to create games that felt like bedtime stories that weren't necessarily educational. Because, as Ron Gilbert put it, you're not reading your kid a math book at night. Maybe John is. I don't know.
1: <laughs> and Shakespeare probably.
0: Oh, probably. And because of some weird legal issues created by the Scum Engine, do you know who published the first handful of Humongous Entertainment games?
1: Activision. No. EA. Yep. what's that i was like if you're talking like that it's gonna be a negative company
0: yeah ea's uh not well loved if this game were released today there'd be dlc to make it longer
1: it's it's called electronic arts they do like madden and fifa and battlefield
2: oh that ea yeah like ea like the two letters okay
0: right and this company was also an advantage because children's software tends to sell longer because one, kids aren't waiting for Putt-Putt joins the prey to release. And there's always new kids coming in and it they don't have as much value. They don't go on to the secondhand market as much. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so first game, now that we're done with our history, we'll come back to that. I'd like to thank the YouTube channel uh, Shadow Streak for making like a two hour long documentary about the history of Humongous where I got most <laughs> of this information. So cite your sources, kids.
1: Very good. Okay.
0: All right. So, Putt Putt joins the parade was released in November of 1992 for
1: MS DOS. Very nice.
0: And sold about uh, 60,000 copies in its first year, which is pretty good for that time and that kind of game. Putt Putt <laughs> sets off through Cartown, mowing lawns and delivering groceries for his friends and neighbors to pay for a quick car wash. Along the way, Putt Putt clears obstacles helps find a missing child, and begins a close friendship with a puppy named Pep. He returns to Smokey just in time for the beginning of the parade and happily leads the line of cars and their pets through the streets.
1: Okay. That was pretty thorough. It's basically everything that happens. (laughs) Let Let me say this. I recognize it can take a lot to make a video game. I fully recognize that. But, I look at this game, and I look, especially let's consider the Mowing mini game, and I think, I could have made this game. <laughs> and I don't say that, like, I'm not, a, okay, let me, let me phrase it, that sounds really bad. I look at the fact that these are some very, like, skilled programmers. Yes. Who made this game, and I assume... They're. You're, they made this game after those other games you talked about. Yes. It seems like either they made this game very, very quickly, which is possible, or like they were trying to, like, like having to do it all by themselves because I just there's something where it's all very simple. And that's fine. It's a children's game. And it's not, like, the simplicity that's throwing me off. But, like, I guess I thought this when I was looking at the mowing game. And it was literally, like, clearly, like, go over this and the color changes. And it was, like, not precise at all. Like, I don't... Like, I I probably could not program this game. But given the talent that was behind it, I have to think it was either done very quickly, or it was just the fact that they didn't have a big team of programmers helping them. And either one, like, could very much lead to that. But, like, I just look at this, and it's is like, I feel like, I don't know, people single, by themselves, program, I think, games, and I don't know. This is, I'm being too critical. I know. It's a children's putt-putt game.
2: John, let's do a thought experiment here. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let's go back. Little seven-year-old John playing this putt-putt game. I played putt <laughs> What does Pup he putt- think deep inside? Yay! Puppies, balloons, <laughs> flowers that spin. He is a happy child.
1: <laughs> I played putt-putt saves the zoo as a child, which is way better programmed. Mm. I don't know. Okay, I guess here's the thing. It was me just sitting there watching... First, hearing one person do a bunch of different British accents, (laughs) Um, and then it was it was me sitting there in this lawn mowing game where I guess probably my thought was this because I'm not very like artistic, so I couldn't design like all the artistic elements in the game. But, like, I was just looking at this lawn mowing game being like, I could program this lawn mowing game. I guess that's more what I was thinking mm, more than and that anything. And the main game in the whole thing. Right. Like, that's, like, one of your main things you put in this game. This is the thing a kid could theoretically keep doing if they liked it enough. And it was just moving a place to, like, c- clicking this point in the grass and having him go there and clicking this point.
2: Not Nancy Drew level. Let's just say that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, John, for that uh, very interesting conversation about the game.
2: (laughs) I have something that maybe is less overall, just like, this is bad. I have an actual something that was saddening to me.
0: Please go ahead.
2: We had gotten, you know, John was like, let's do the bare minimum in this game. It was already like only taking us a half hour. And he's like, we only need two coins. And I'm like, no, John, we need to color our car for the parade. This is going to be super fun. So we do more mini games, more of the lawn mowing. Maybe that's why he's ranting about the lawn mowing. And what happens is I go, okay, well, should we, you do the car wash first or should we do
1: the the color
2: first? I'm like, well, let's wash our car before it gets a new paint job, right? That makes sense. We wash the car Immediately afterwards uh, we go straight to the parade. But we but cannot like, color done. our car.
0: <laughs> oh it's no, really the same. Sad. The same thing happened to me, but in reverse, because I went and got the paint job first, and then you don't even need he's like the fire truck's like, Oh yeah, I guess you don't need that shower anymore. What? <laughs> Seriously? Yes. If you have pep and the balloon by that point.
1: <laughs> I, I, I. I guess it's so a kid. Because a kid might not, like, he might be, like, I, okay, here, let me, if they're really making this for kids, like, who, like, don't fully, like, I get, like, a kid could probably spend two hours, two to three hours trying to figure out how to beat this game. It took us a few minutes to figure out how to move the cow. Oh, yeah, we, we
2: were like, what is this complicated riddle? Oh, I just have to honk my horn. Okay.
1: In fairness, it's a smiley face on his dashboard, (laughs) not a horn. Um. I get a kid could be like, but I wash the car. I have the pup. I have a balloon. What else do I do? Aww. And so I get like, purely for the kid's sake, it's easier.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I get that. I just but wanted it is to color our car. We were all ready.
1: <laughs> we were ready. We had mode extra. And I have to think a kid may have that issue. I mean, like, Like a kid might be like, maybe they just
2: color my car. Maybe they just replay the game.
0: It's true. You know
2: the little nodding and and shaking your head icons.
0: (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. I was glad. I'm glad to hear the same thing happened to you guys. Um. So I don't know if I could program this. So I'm gonna give the developers credit. This game does sort of have like Kickstarter proof of concept written all over it in a modern context. Well, okay, here, let me say this. I guess
1: part of it is this. I'm probably being unfair, because, again, when was this game made? 1992. 1992. It's a lot easier to program games today. Like, there's a lot more pure assets. And back Mm -hmm. then, you might have had to, like, legitimately build from nothing. Yes. Yes. Like, almost no code. So I I get that. And they were probably making their engine, I think. And I wasn't thinking that until the lawn mowing. I guess my whole beef is I think the lawn mowing game is bad.
0: You could have delivered groceries. Then we'd have to go all the way back.
2: You wanted it to be easier. You wanted the
0: lazy route. John, to join the parade, you have to do work. well that's what I don't get I feel like there
1: were a lot of requirements to be in this parade so much that only six people were in the parade
2: but there were some good little animals in there there
1: were some good animals but they were like look you gotta have a pet you gotta have a balloon and all the stores were sold out of balloons on the day
0: of the parade
2: that's how it really do be like that sometimes
0: it really do so uh let's talk about our actual experiences enjoying the game
1: yes so i enjoyed clicking things <laughs> elizabeth got annoyed with me and that well, let i let her click around and she enjoyed it more
2: yeah he started the game and he was clicking absolutely everything and i was like john we need to get moving and then when i switched to playing it i'm like oh it's actually fun when you're the one clicking it you know mm-hmm. you're like Ooh, will this move Yeah. um so I, I enjoyed that.
0: Yeah. And I was going to say, cause sometimes you go back and revisit a childhood thing and realize how slow some things are, but I did appreciate my memory of being able to have multiple click things run at the same time was in mm-hmm. fact a thing these games had. It wasn't yeah. click on the flower, wait for the animation to finish, click on the tree. Yeah,
2: yeah that's true.
1: <clears throat> Maybe that was the hard thing. Like I recognize I'm being I was too I started out too critical because I think the game's decent for children. I
2: think really we should talk about the pup because that probably was John's.
1: The pup was good.
2: Shining Pep
0: good. What were you saying, Will? I was I did want we can come back to that topic actually. Go ahead, John, talk about the dog. Well, just
1: a good boy. No no issues. He was alone in a cave (laughs) all by himself
2: with the bats.
1: Yeah, with the bats. I do like how Puppa... The dog made a kind of doggy sound and Puppa, but it's like, sounds like there's a puppy in here! Oh, no. It just <laughs> kind of sounds like a generic animal sound. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so... I, I, uh, oh, the movie theater! Oh, yeah. I mean... The car could be in a different place every time, so that's something. Oh, is that is it random? Is it? I, I don't know. I didn't go back and check. Where was he in your game? Like, up in the front to the far left.
2: Ours was, like, towards the front to the left, but, like, more towards the aisle, right?
1: Yeah. Like, so the top maybe. right of the
2: screen, but not right in the corner?
1: Maybe is random.
0: Replay so, value. Yes, replay value. Now, because these are kids' games, we John got a little harsh there. Let's be. I fair. did get
1: harsh. I realized how harsh I was when I thought of the logistics of me programming this game. I was like, I probably couldn't program this game. Or okay, I could program this game now. I could not program this game in '92 when they programmed it. I think I had I had to put it in context that this game is 30 years old, and it was a lot harder to program a video game back then.
2: Yes, I in. High school, I took this Python programming class, and we did actually program our own game. But, like you said, there's like a whole program that yeah. will just let you do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like it has all of the things that you need, yeah, versus like back then, it's not like people are making these off of like a ready built program. They're just can we scratch?
1: Can we play your game on the podcast?
2: <laughs> I don't know if I have access to it anymore. I was just thinking that. <laughs> What was it? It was a little you were a little dolphin and you have to like avoid like eat the food and avoid like Mm. the like I don't know if there were sharks or something. You know, there's a
1: an actual game that's that.
2: I know. It's basically I made something like akin to
1: one of those games. Echo the dolphin.
2: What? It's literally a dolphin? (laughs) Yeah, oh, okay. that's what
1: I mean. Echo the Dolphin. Maybe, I maybe
2: it, it was like subliminal messaging and I like had heard of it. And,
1: and then there's Echo like... 2, like Echo 2, like Tides of Time or some <laughs> weird thing like that where he fights aliens. Ah. Do you have these cartridges, John? I think I maybe have Echo the Dolphin. Song. It's on like Steam. I mean, it's like a first party <laughs> Sega Genesis game.
0: Yes, John has a lot of rare games because we had a very irresponsible secondhand game store where we grew up that priced games very low. Like their copy of Earthbound was $60. That's not okay. Lies.
1: First off, that's not at all true. My copy of Earthbound was $100, about what the price of North goes for. I didn't even buy it at that store. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> Whoops. We have to recognize the fact Will likes to exaggerate stories sometimes, or I just have a bad memory. I think the better instance was a lot of first-party Nintendo N sixty four games were like fifth, like Mario sixty four was like sixteen dollars or something like that. Yeah, and like Mario Kart was like seventeen dollars or something like that. Like stuff that's I, it could have just been when I bought it, but that's beside the point. Let's let's yeah. actually the reason I was able to I think where this whole podcast. Could be subtitled Figuring Out Why John Disliked the Mowing Game. We also have to go back to oh. as when Will and I were children. Oh, no. We oh, no. ran a lawn mowing business together. And it brought back <laughs> flashbacks of, I was like, wow, me moving these and missing tiny little strips is just like how Will used to mow the lawns.
0: No. Okay.
1: I did not... didn't have bad programming as an excuse.
0: I did not miss strips. I went back and got them. <laughs> Well, let's be fair.
1: well, and then, so there was one time an incident where, you know, I may have not told Will how much we were being paid for a certain lawn. except I would often stay back for several for like ten to twenty minutes and have to clean up the the grass residue he left scattered about the yard. So you know that's that's one factor. And then he found out we were getting paid an extra ten dollars. And when he found that out, I confessed and paid him back. But for the last three years, anytime Will has tried to to say that he owes me money, he's like his payback for the lawn mowing. And I feel like this has caused a bitterness, a deep setted bitterness towards me for any lawn mowing situation. So when I saw this was a problematic lawn mowing game, I feel like I unjustly took it out on this game. okay huh.
2: i will say i have heard this story multiple multiple times at this point
0: i'm going to subtitle the podcast at pup butt coast of the parade or why john hates the lawn mowing game <laughs> sure why okay not? so the point i was going to get at before we went down that rabbit hole so this is a game for kids so we should at least to some extent look at it that way so i want to ask two questions if you were three to six, so the target age range of the game when it came out and played it, would you enjoy it? And if you had kids in that age range, would you want them playing it?
1: I would not say six. I would say three. I would enjoy it. Three or four.
2: I think I would enjoy Yeah, I think I'd enjoy it because, you know, part of it even, I feel like as a kid, is just if you like the vibe of it and mm-hmm. the graphics... And like you were saying, Will, like, you can click multiple things, like, have all the flowers dancing or, like, different Mm -hmm. things like that. So I feel like it would be fun. I feel like it would still feel
1: short if you were a little older. That's what I mean. I feel like if you were three and this was, like, one of your first video games, I feel like this would be good because you're – it's very simple and very basic. And you're trying to figure it out. And that's the demographic they're going for. I think they probably succeeded. I still have issues with a little annoying game, but that's beside the point. I feel like 6... Like, what's the game labeled for? Like 3 to the 6. Game? Okay. I feel like 6 would be a little old. I mean, maybe you've never played a game before. But I feel like 6-year-olds are probably at this point... If they're playing, like, humongous entertainment games, are probably playing either some of the later Puppy games or something like Spy Fox.
0: Yes. Uh, so, I would say... I think it's because of its brevity. Now, I'm not thinking about this through the mind of a three-year-old, so maybe having to use the magnet to get the nails would not immediately come to my head. Mm. But I, do, I, I would also say it was 1992. It was their first game, so they probably didn't want to make something too big. But if you have a family computer, your kid probably isn't gaining a lot of computer time, so a game that's short is a benefit. That's, oh, true. that's true. Especially because it's hard to
1: figure out how to save the game. Yeah. You hit S. A kid doesn't think like that.
2: Maybe a kid thought like that in
0: 1992. Uh, save. <laughs> maybe they read the instructions. Oh, wait, the whole point is kids can't read. Um. <laughs> I now... mean, maybe
1: part of it is so a kid could beat this in one sitting, theoretically, like an hour. And I feel like a, there's enough of a kid to click on. I
0: mean, like, kid, a kid's not going to necessarily remember it. So, I mean, like... True. I mean, granted, I clicked on everything, played the weird mini-games in the toy store, listened to some of those bad jokes, and it still took me only, like, 30 minutes. So, yeah. saying a kid can solve in, like, an hour, hour and a half is probably believable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I know, I mean, like, right,
1: if you're... I would say if you're not used to... If you're not used to uh, video games, I think it would take you a while. I think even if you're six, I think it may take you a little bit. But I think... The story is not, I think it's okay. I think the six year old could play it. I think there's enough to them to try to figure out that it's not, you know, they may not get it depending on how many games they've played. But I feel like the story may not catch a six year old's attention. I feel like maybe, maybe I'm overthinking six year old. I'm thinking, I guess, I'm thinking like a six year old boy. Like, Puppet sees the Zoo, they're like animals. Puppet travels in time, time travel. Puppet goes to the moon moon <laughs>
2: <laughs> I guess I guess I think what you're getting at is there was not like an extra wow factor to it yeah like I feel like as a child I liked games where it's like oh I can like color something or I can like oh like we're saving animals or like mm-hmm. I don't know there was some sort of extra factor like oh there's these fun puzzles in the game that are colorful and like yeah matching games or something like this didn't doesn't have like all it has is the lawn mowing game yeah and clicking on stuff Mm -hmm. so i guess there isn't as much of a wow factor if you're not like already just enchanted
1: by the world right and because the plot is like i guess a six-year-old would like a parade i guess in fairness but like it's not even like it's like a super like like like, my point is i'm looking at like later puppet game the puppy does help But I'm, like, looking at later puppet games, it's, like, enters a race. And a race is, I'm, like, oh, cool, we're working towards, like, a race. And that's, like, fast and cool. Oh, we're going to the moon. We're going to time travel. We're going to the zoo. Like, I guess, like, a parade is in that level for children. I guess I never was that into parades, which could be part of the issue.
2: (laughs) All of John's issues are deep psychological childhood issues. (laughs)
1: I guess I mean more for replay value. If you're talking about replay value.
0: Did you have something to say, Elizabeth? No. No. Well, and actually, that'd be my thing. For replay value, assuming this game was like $20 to $30, it's kind of a rip because there's no reason to replay it.
1: (laughs) Well, the thing I would say a kid maybe like, if they, that's what I mean is if a kid liked the, idea now like oh i love the parade i love go- getting to the parade at the end i love like doing all these things in the game i feel like there'd be more replay even if it was the simplistic of puzzles and story my issue is i just i'm trying to, and i think like a three or four year old would maybe like oh i like i really like Papa, and like put it in again i wonder if around six if you have more than one game right if like the other games would just be more appealing mm. Yes.
2: Now, Will, I have a question. How exciting was the color of your car thing? Did you just pick
0: a color? You picked a color, a brush came down and it painted you.
2: Oh. See, cause that could redeem it in my mind. I think Little Me was like, Arts and Crafts. And so if it was a fun game where you could paint the car, then I might play it multiple times just to paint my car different colors.
1: Right. See. See, this is why it's well, good to have a that's, part, let me say this, that could have, like, part of the thing of the fact that if you have the balloon and dog, it cuts off, a kid may enjoy trying to get different colors, that's true, that might be something, like, a kid actually, like, latches onto, but if you collected the dog and the, ma- and like, the dog and, like, the um, balloon well, no. already, you're basically kind of out of luck.
0: And actually, this is why we're glad to have Elizabeth, because, like, the arts and crafts, customize your own thing stuff, is stuff I always skipped over. <laughs> So yeah. it's good to have someone who's excited about that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I feel like definitely as a kid, I was I was into that sort of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, right, the, the painting isn't very exciting, but I, I kind of agree. It, for a first game, it's really good. I feel like if you've played any of the other ones, it's like, why would I pop this in?
1: And maybe that's my problem. That's what I'm comparing it to is the other ones, which I think are way better. And it's unfair because this is their first game. And I probably was gonna be less critical, but then you tell me about all the all the people's backgrounds and how they came from LucasArts and they've done these games I know I've either played or know are great. And I'm kind of like, wait a minute. I wasn't going to go in so critical. And then you were like, wait a minute. I was thinking these are people who, for the first time, this was like their first game.
2: You know what? Let's give them some credit. Maybe they are better at getting themselves into the mind of a child than John is. Probably. And maybe they were like definitely like dumbing it down for like, okay, like here, the kids are not going to understand this. We need to make it super simple. And then they realized kids were smarter than they thought, and then they added more in the other games.
1: Elizabeth's like John, kids don't wanna play Young Shake the Adventures of Young
0: Shakespeare. (laughs) Basically. I mean it did win a lot of awards like Family Game of the Year, so In what? Whoa, in what in what competition? I think it was IGN.
1: Was IGN around in 92?
0: Wait. What were the other options? Well, that's part of it, too. I'm sure that was not a saturated market at the time. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I could see if you didn't really have children's, like, video games, like computer games, this would be exciting if you were a child and you couldn't read and you could suddenly play a game that, like, all made
1: sense to you.
0: Right. I'm checking the uh,
1: list. I also think it's somewhat—so this has to do more with the modern advertising— is the fact that they've totally rebranded it to have the new putt putt design when it's the old putt putt design in the
0: game. Even before they went to the, c- the cell painted. Yeah. Which, uh. Also, yeah, a- well, uh, according to Wikipedia, it says
1: upon release, the game sold over 300,000 copies. What did I say? Like 60,000.
0: <laughs> oh.
1: Well, now hey, this
0: could be a is bad. Is
2: Wikipedia <laughs> false? Can you trust Wikipedia?
0: <laughs> Who edited it? Do you think someone would do that? Just go on the internet and tell lies. <laughs> okay, sorry. You we yeah. got that Arthur reference? Then well, so, no. That 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 is a good point. That on Steam, it's the new putt putt design. I don't think it matters, but I could see it throwing a kid for a loop. Like, I remember being three or four, and it didn't look like it did on the box, and it threw me for a loop.
1: Yeah. Now, all I'll say is this. It won in the Choosing Children's Software publication. It won the 1999 Best Picks for the Holidays Award. And then Sesame Street Parents gave it the 1997 Reviewers' Choice Award. That's pretty far I know. This is all very weird. These are all like after, like way after it came out, like CES computers entered. Yeah, that's I always forget. About maybe CES. they were. Computers Electronics Show gave it like a top. I gave it a 1994 Innovation Showcase Award winner. So this is all rather. There's a lot of. There's a lot of like maybe maybe it probably got a. My guess is it got a soft release. Oh no, here's what it is. In 92, it came out on MS-DOS. In 93, it came out on 3DO. And then in 95, it came out on Mac and Windows. That would do it. So probably a lot of those were more the Mac and Windows versions.
0: Yes. I'd love to see the DOS versions, but eh. Am I just criticizing the DOS? (laughs) I don't think so.
1: Okay. All right. Anything else we'd like to say about the game? I think we've we've talked about it for just about as long as you can play
0: it. You're right, John. We did talk about it actually now longer than it takes to play the game if you're playing it the way we were. All right. So, next time on the podcast, when we do the complete humongous entertainment, we will be doing Fatty Bear's Birthday Surprise. Who knows when we will do that one? But, that look on I worry I am going to have similar opinions. (laughs) Now, I. So the reason we're doing this is kind of our kickoff is I one time on steam, all the games were like $15 for the bundle. So I've already played this one. Uh, It's not amazing. It's not an all time classic. I think it's designed a little better.
1: Okay. Hmm. Save it, save it for the uh, thing.
0: And join us again next week or in two weeks from now, when we will be covering the LucasArts, Tim Schafer classic, Grim Fandango. Fun. I can finally beat it. Wait, you never finished it?
1: I've I've played through half the game twice, and for some reason, and so I've always just never finished it. Not, I really liked it both both times. People don't attack me.
0: There are the putt putt fans
1: are already about can, to attack this. me.
0: Okay. Were you doing it on PC or the remaster? I've done both. Okay. Oh, by the way, I had a
1: physical copy of Grim Fandango. I probably still do have it in a box somewhere before they had re released it.
0: Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, for anyone who is playing along with us or is like wants to just dive in, we are gonna be playing the remaster. I assume I'm playing the remaster. I'm playing John, the remaster. My, John. My John might bust out his old Windows. Well, it's probably in a box in the attic, states away. Okay, yeah. So we're playing the remaster. Uh so anyway, I'm Will. I'm John. I'm Elizabeth. We'll see you next time.